The following program, the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, is paid for in full by Acunet Mortgage, LLC, an equal housing lender, consumeraccess.org, number 255-368. The advice and opinions expressed during the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts and guests of Acunet Mortgage, LLC, and not WTMJ or Good Karma Brands. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty. And now, here's Brian Wickert and Tim Holtman. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Brian Wickert, licensed real estate broker with Acunet Realty Advisors and also the majority owner of Acunet Mortgage, along with my son-in-law, Tim Holdman, who is one of our top senior loan consultants. By the way, my individual NMLS ID number is 259610, and Tim's NMLS ID number is 1593146. We had a regulator in Minnesota say they'd like us to put that on the radio show. So there you go. <laughs> oh, all right. If you there have a question or a comment, you can call or text us on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line, which is 855-616-1620. And remember, just like those regulators in Minnesota, you can get a podcast of today's show and any of our past shows wherever you normally get your podcast. So, Tim, the uh, National Association of Realtors came out this last week with their report on January home sales. And, uh, you know, this this goes in the category of, does the national number apply to our corner of the world? Right. And they reported that existing home sales expanded 3.1% in January. Year over year? or uh, well, I'm glad you asked oh, okay. that. You <laughs> always right. have to ask, compared to what? That right. 3.1% number was compared to December. Ah, okay. Gotcha. To an annual annualized rate of $4 million. and But then when you do it year over year, they say sales declined 1.7%. Mm. Uh, by the way, the median existing home sales price was up 5.1% from a year earlier to... 379,100 bucks and they also say the inventory of unsold existing homes increased 2% from a month ago to 1.0 million which is the equivalent of a 3 month supply of current monthly sales space and remember the old rule of thumb is that um, 3 and under uh, no what is it 3 and under is a uh, is a seller's market 3 month supply or under Right. Three to six, you're starting to get more balanced, and mm-hmm. over six is a buyer's market. So we are way far away from a buyer's market. <laughs> yeah, nationally. and we have been for quite some time. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, the national numbers don't matter. And so I ran the numbers for southeastern Wisconsin, and I particularly looked at the five-county metro area and looked at those listings because I wanted to scratch my curiosity and say, is the supply getting any better? So mm-hmm. I looked at those single-family detached and condo listings that came on the market from January 1 through February 22nd, and that number was 2,164 new listings. Okay. And that compares to 2023 for exactly the same period, 2,200. That's a difference so, of 36 so listings. Pretty, so I'm pretty much flat. Yeah. A tie. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, and I think this is a continuation of what we saw all last year, um, uh, 7 out of 10 are still active, meaning about 36% already have closed, which was kind of surprising. That's pretty quick. Yeah. But about 68% or 7 out of 10 are still active, although half of those have accepted offers. 
All right. Sure. So let's talk about what's really on the market that does not have an accepted offer right now. If you just look at those listings that are brand new for 2024, the fresh meat, if you will, the total number is 857. That's from hmm. all five counties, single family detached, and condos. Uh, that ha- Now, though, I thought to myself, you know what? There are probably some listings from 2023 that don't have sure, offers that are yet. still active, yeah. And if you throw those in, the answer is 1,300, okay, of homes for sale in the five-county metropolitan area listed by a member of the National Association of Realtors that do not have offers. The number of closed sales in January was 845. So we have about a one-and-a-half-month supply Hmm. of homes for sale here (laughs) in southeastern Wisconsin. Heavily in the seller's market territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I want to bring people up to speed on the story we talked about uh, last week of this young first-time homebuyer couple uh, that I'm working with. And part of that story is we, we we got them fully rock solid, verified, verified everything about them. And 30 seconds after that, they're like, we found these two homes. Shocking. So we want to go see. And I helped them yeah. connect with a buyer's agent. Well, since they're young and they didn't know any better, they didn't notice that one of them already had the uh, red C highlighted mm-hmm. in yellow. That means it's already got an offer. Yeah. And the other one, by the time they made an appointment to go see it, it had an accepted offer. Yep. So is that what you're seeing as well? The velocity of the market can be pretty quick? For the for the desirable properties, absolutely. I tell my clients that if you see a house you like, you need to go see it as fast as possible. Because right. if you wait a couple of days, someone else is going to see it and likely make an offer. Maybe multiple parties will do that. Let me give you a little bit more uh, update on that particular story because it's got some interesting twists to it. We'll get to that right after this. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to today's show. I'm Brian Wickert, the elder here, and that is my son-in-law over there, the taller, handsome, younger Tim Holdman. But with less hair. (laughs) And, well... (laughs) Thanks for making me feel good. Yeah, I got that little hole in the ozone in the back. But yeah, you've gone kind of uh, smooth on the top, but with a nice uh, trim beard, too, I might mention. Oh, thank you so, very much. Um, last week, we started talking about this uh, first-time homebuyer couple in their mid-20s who's done really well for themselves with savings. And this was a introduction from uh, our husband's father, who we just helped buy a new homeless last fall. And uh, by the way, we used a temporary buy-down for his loan. So let's pick up on that later in the show, Tim. Oh, as yeah, a for sure. Tool of uh, the current interest rate environment. And so this young couple, um, the interesting thing that we were able to uh, erase any doubt about, we had the uh, wife in this case change jobs. And she was hourly on her last job. She's hourly on the new job. And our, that's called variable income when you get paid hourly, if you work a different number of hours every week. And so what happens when you're on a job less than a year, you know, usually we can just get by with pay stubs and a W-2, which looked good for her income documentation, by the way, as being good steady, but that doesn't cut the mustard when you're on the job less than a year. So we need a written verification of employment. We send that to her employer. 
but the um, manager was struggling mightily with filling it out correctly. So the first ah. version we got back was kind of mangled and didn't result in somebody looking at it and saying, oh, she works 40 hours a week <laughs> and she gets paid bi-weekly and then there's a place to fill in the year-to-date income. That was not all jiving. So our rock-solid pre-approval desk person, your sister-in-law, Sue Holdman, Shout out to back Sue. on the phone yeah. with that person and walked him through, okay, yeah, this is what that box means. He got it back, put it on the altar of one of our Fannie Mae servicers because we just wanted to make sure there would be no surprises. And within literally 30 seconds of getting the confirmation that her income was all squared, this young couple had found not one but two homes. Ah, that they shocking to how that see. happens. Yeah, yeah. It's, isn't, does that happen to your buyers? Like once you all, authorize all the them, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now let's get busy, right? So, and I had connected them. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last week. Um, they had had the name of somebody that they were considering using. And I did the research because they're looking in Washington County in the three to $400,000 price range. And so I just run the numbers. Hey, who is there mm -hmm. a buyer's agent? Is there a real estate agent who has worked with more buyers than other? others and one person's name came to the top of the list and I called that person and talked to her and she happens to be the owner of the brokerage. It's a small brokerage. And she said she would work with them, uh, you know, individually, she's not going to hand them off to somebody else. Perfect. So I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. And so we, we, you know, go about our business and unfortunately, uh, both of those properties, one was showing up in Zillow as already having an offer. The other one was showing is still available. But by the time this buyer's agent had set up the um, appointment to go through, which was only mm -hmm. like a day later. Okay. Not that terrible. property was uh, already had an already. accepted offer. Sure. Now, the other thing that's cool about these people is they're smart and they're really good students. So we did a go-to meeting uh, where she can, where they could see my computer screen. Uh, I think that was on Monday night. And I showed them the MLS data that uh, tells you that, hey, once you get to March, in that price band in Washington County, between three and $399,999, 78% of people paid over asking. Not and surprising. 33, yeah, 33% yeah, paid 10 grand or more. And then it gets into the 80% range in April and May mm. with over half of people paying $10,000 or more over asking. But what I was able to show them and given their particulars um, I was able to show them that you could offer like 15 grand over the asking price. Mm -hmm. So let's say you saw a home listed for 385. You could offer $400,000 and still tell the seller, hey, I'll pay you the 400 even if the house appraises as low as 385. Right. We call that and the appraisal wiggle room. Yeah. The appraisal wiggle room trick. It's the best card trick that we have. Well, there's one better one. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> It's but a good one, though. Yeah, it's a good one because they would have to bring absolutely no more dollars to closing and it wouldn't change their payment at all. Amazing. Because we're yeah. staying in that same down payment yeah. bracket. Right. Their down payment is so strong that if we lend them or have to lend them a slightly higher percentage of the value of the property, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change their reality of what they have to bring to the closing table. And most of the time it does change their payment, I would say. Yeah, yeah, more, more often than not. Yeah, more often than not. Only by, you know, 10 or $25. Right. Because most people always assume they have to um, 
bring the difference bring, to closing. Yeah, that's not the case. Oh, so they were. Really I don't have fifteen thousand dollars more to bring to the closing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to do that. But there's more to the story. I want to tell you how we further bolstered their rock solid pre approval letter. When we come back, you're listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on Wisconsin's radio station AM six twenty WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Weckert on WTMJ. Welcome back, and thanks again for spending part of your Sunday with us or whenever you listen to the podcast. So we're in the middle of a story about these first-time home buyers that were they're all equipped now to go out and write offers. Uh, and one of the interesting things uh, about their situation is they have a strong down payment. They could put down 10%. But there's one thing that um, is on a, up to a $400,000 purchase, and they actually have more than that saved up by their own money. Uh, but they wisely kind of want to keep their cash out of pocket to about $40,000 so that they have, guess what, money in reserve, Tim. I don't know, when you bought a house, did you do anything to it? Uh, yeah, try a lot of stuff. And sooner than we thought we would have to, because that's always the case uh, as well. Uh, we had to do new drain tile in our entire oh, perimeter yeah. of our basement on our first home uh, within a couple of years of buying it. You know, a lot, a lot of things came up and guess what? Even if bad stuff doesn't come up, you're going to want that money for what I know you and I both jokingly refer to as the second down payment, which is, Oh, we need a new bedroom set or we need a lawnmower yeah. or a snowblower or, you know, all these things. A that fence. We we want a fence in yeah. our yard for yeah. our dog and our kids or what have you. Right. Okay. So, so these people are wise to that. But since I knew the dad, remember there was, the story is the referral came from the father. I said, let's talk to your dad, mom and dad about the possibility of giving a gift. I, when I, when we bought our first home, uh, I always think it was my parents that gave us the gift for the down payment. Becky thinks it was her parents. I'm sure I'm right. <laughs> but, you know, that's a tale as old as time. Parents, grandparents want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I, I talked to the dad and I explained, if we can get a signed gift letter from you and your wife uh, saying you're willing to give, let's say, 40 grand, um, and you are actually willing to give it if necessary, I can then write their rock solid pre-approval letter with 20% down. Mm-hmm. And that just looks so much better to the yeah. seller, to the typical seller and the listing agent than and anything less than 20% down. And that 40 this grand doesn't actually have to leave dad's bank account yet either. It's Correct. They're just signing a letter saying they're willing to give it if it's needed. And then once That's the right. offer is accepted, it's really between them and the parent if that money ever actually is given. You know, this Absolutely. is about... This is about the window dressing of making the pre-approvals stronger so that their offer gets accepted over somebody else's. Because as you already talked about, the competition is going to be steep in this area and price range that your clients are shopping in. Exactly. And so we got that in hand, and I was able to produce on uh, Thursday of last week a pre-approval letter. Because remember, we also verified her variable income. Her hourly income was fine because yep. the, the verification of employment clearly stated she works 40 hours a week and all the numbers have to prove that she is actually working 40 hours a week, not 31 week and 38 the next <laughs> and, you know, 22 yeah. the next week. It's steady, so therefore it can be used. That's the Perfect. level of detail that we go to in the rock solid pre-approval process, or as opposed uh, you know, a, a lot of other lenders would just say, well, how much do you make? And she would have said 23 bucks an hour and they would have assumed Sounds good. Yeah. it was 40 bucks. And then if it came back as variable, you're in deep trouble. So yeah. we got all that squared away. And so they are now have a placeholder until they actually write an offer, but it says $400,000. 
with an appraised value as low as three eighty five. Awesome. And with twenty percent down. So they Huge. are loaded yeah. for bear. So uh, now just the we, tough part of actually finding a house they want to buy. <laughs> well, exactly. And and to get there swiftly enough to uh you know make Before that, someone else that does, yeah. Strong offer. You know, and I explained to them in an email, <clears throat> a lot of times home sellers will hold open. They'll say, Well, we want to show our home, you know, over the course of a weekend, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, opening yeah. weekend. Sellers will review all offers at 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoon or, you know, whatever right. the case. Yeah. Right. But in this particular case, that one that they saw uh, up in West Bend got snapped up. Must have been a really strong offer. And the sellers decided to take it. Now, the thing that let's talk about this, because um, rates are a little elevated, you know. Yeah. Rates compared to a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, seven and a quarter, seven ish. Yeah, if you want, which no like points. it all depends on the percentage down payment and your credit yeah, score the, and a bazillion other. There's things. a mental thing when they crosses a three, you know, from six to seven. That it's just like when it went from seven to eight. You know that that's a big mental gymnastics thing in the in the mind of a lot of buyers. Where if if you know rates were in the mid to high sixes, but all of a sudden they're in the low sevens. The reality is rates didn't change that much, but it's right. it's a men, it's a mental thing. So six nine nine, we offer six nine nine for a reason. Oh, yeah, exactly. It sounds because right, so it's got a six in front of it. Seven. But right. now, so the tool that we used with her uh, with his parents back mm-hmm. in the fall because rates were elevated is this thing called a temporary buy down. Yeah. It's is old. I mean, we used this tool back. You know, 22 years ago when rates were elevated, it's back and it's a great tool. I want to cover that uh, because it's really instructive and and, and a fantastic tool in a number of different circumstances. We'll talk about the temporary buy down when we come back. But now it's time to hand it over to the WTMJ Breaking Newsroom. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome back. Uh, we want to talk about this nifty tool uh, called a temporary buy-down. And it's it's a handy tool right now because rates are elevated. And the other true statement is that adjustable rate mortgages, to many people's surprise, are no good right now. And that's because <laughs> short-term interest rates, which correlate to adjustable rate mortgages, are higher than longer-term interest rates, like 30-year fixed-rate mortgages. So the R market is basically dead and so this tool, the temporary buy-down, allows us to, hmm, I'm going to say, well, it's real. We suppress, we lower the home buyer's effective payment rate by either 1% or 2%. And, Tim, you've got an example where you just used it. Can you clue us in on that? Yeah. So uh, I'll be the first to say this tool is not a one-size-fits-all solution because, uh, like you mentioned, the way this actually works is we as the lender create a little pool of money off to the side, and that a little bit of, of that pool of money leaves that account every month to subsidize or lower the effective uh, monthly payment for the borrower for the first either year or two years, depending on what you know uh buy down product you pick or you know how much money you put in that subsidy account in the beginning so it begs the question who's gonna put that money in there right is is it gonna be the the buyer because if the buyer does it it's kind of the it's, same as if they would have just kept that money in the bank and used it to make the higher monthly payment right correct. so I, I agree that is not it, an effective uh you're robbing peter to, to pay fund Paul. 
the buy-down account. And again, I like the way you explained it. It's literally subsidizing the borrower's payment for either the first year or in some cases, the first two years. So go on. Right. Yeah. So I had some customers who were in a little bit of a unique situation, but nothing that we haven't seen you know, several times before. They were renting and they had a good relationship with their uh, landlords, the owners of the home. And they found out that the landlords were thinking about selling. So they said, hey, we really like this house. We already live here. We'd like to buy it from you. So I said, that sounds great. We can absolutely help with that. And the con- the main concern of these buyers was rates and where their monthly payment would be. And I said, aha, I have a great suggestion for you guys. Let's craft the offer so that uh, you can ask for a seller credit which can be used to fund that temporary rate buy down program. So that's Perfect. the key is that you're not paying any of your own money to get a, a lower effective payment rate. The seller is, and it, it's really not uh, to the disadvantage of the sellers at all, because you can just like, let's just use some made up numbers. Let's say you're going to ask for a $3,000 seller credit. You can just offer to pay $3,000 more on the purchase price than you otherwise would have so that the seller nets the same amount of proceeds. And values are so robust right now in our area, and I think this home was in Grafton, uh, the the appraisal did not come in low. In fact, I think it still came in a little bit above the asking price, even though the asking price was was three grand higher. Yeah, so at the end of the day, what they did is they they did what's called a 2-1 buy down in the industry. Uh, the lenders out there listening will know what this is. But essentially what that means is that for the first 12 months, the first year's worth of payments, the effective payment rate was 2% lower than the actual note rate of the mortgage. And 2% on a you know decent loan size, that's pretty substantial. I think their monthly payment was $190 a month lower than what it would have been otherwise. Okay. And that's for and the first year. Yep, and then year number two, so uh, the next 12 months worth of payments, the effective payment rate was 1% lower than the note rate. So, ah. it was, you know, because that money was running out in that subsidy account, right? So only in year number three will their uh, interest rate match the note rate of the mortgage and their payment will be what it will be for the rest of the life of the loan. Because this is a 30-year fixed mortgage, which I think is a key factor to point out as well. Yeah, it is fixed rate. So what happens, Tim, because isn't the idea that hey, rates are going to come down. Right. So what happens if we um, refinance them? You know, what if rates naturally come down to some lower level that's mm-hmm. lower than what they'll end yeah. up paying in the end? What happens to that money? Yeah, so I'll recommend we absolutely refinance, even if we're not at the end of that sort of temporary buy-down program, because here's the nice thing. Whatever money is left over in that subsidy account, which again, remember the sellers really were the ones who put that money in there. That money goes towards reducing the principal of the mortgage at the time of the refinance. So they don't lose that money. Whatever left or over money is in there gets basically put as a little extra principal payment at the time yeah, of the, uh, the refinance. Yeah, whatever's left over, you don't get a cash check back, but it goes against reducing your principal when you sell or refinance. And that right. is way better than paying points upfront. So in this environment where rates are a little higher than we'd like, and the forecast from all the smart people is that they're going to come down, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say you're in a situation where um, there's a credit coming to the homeowner because of something to do with the um, uh, inspection. A great use of that money is to fund a temporary buy-down account. 
because mm, you are sure. enjoying either that lower monthly payment for a period of a year or two, and you know you're going to get all that money back. So I've got a little bit more on that, and then I want to switch gears to another story from last week, a follow-up. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on Wisconsin's radio station, AM620 WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'm Brian Wickert, the elder here, and that is Tim Holdman, my son-in-law and senior loan consultant at AccuNet Mortgage. Hello, hello. Uh, co-hosting with me today. And I just want to say a couple more things about this really powerful tool called the temporary buy-down. So as you were explaining it, it's generally not a good idea for the homeowner to fund that account uh, because no. you could just hold on to the money and <laughs> subsidize yeah. your payment. And, and so in the case of my first time buyers where I did this temporary buy down for the dad, it just so happens, I'm going to give you their example. If they bought a $400,000 home and they borrowed $364,000, we could give them a 30-year fixed rate if they happen to get that accepted offer today of seven and an eighth, okay, 7.125, okay. mm-hmm. and their total loan cost would be $1,884. Well, if I give them a temporary buy-down where the effective payment rate for the first year was six and a half, and then our worst case is that at the end of the 12 months of the payment subsidy, their long-term rate would be seven and a half. So we're taking a little bit of a gamble that we're going to be able to refinance them in the first year. A little bit, sure. First of all, their closing costs go down. Instead of $1,884, I can do that for 629 bucks. Nice. And for the first year, their monthly payment would be $152 less per month. Amazing. So. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, I've been overloading him, or not, I haven't been overloading him. I've been getting him up to speed on a lot of things. I haven't broached this topic yet of the temporary sure. buy-down. And really, this you, is more a conversation of where are rates when they get their accepted offer as well, right? I mean, correct. you might want to inoculate them a little early, but the, uh, one thing I'll jump in because I've had this conversation with several customers. This is a question of where do you think rates will be? A year from now, or, you know, really, if, if they get an accepted offer, they'll probably close in April. So where, where do you think rates will be April of 2025, right? Correct. And if they most, say, well, they got to be lower, yeah. Yeah, and it's, if they think they'll be lower than 7.5 or, or 7.125, then, yeah, let's, you know, let's get you 6.5 for that first year and have a lower monthly payment and then, you know, plan to refinance before we hit that worst case scenario of the seven and a half percent rate. But you know, even then, let's say rates don't behave the way we all expect them to. The nice thing about this is it's, you know what the worst case rate is. It's not an arm. You're not going to see future adjustments. If rates go the wrong direction, you know, on day one, what the highest rate will ever be on that mortgage. Cause it's that back end 30 year fixed. And another point in this particular example, Acunet would be funding the temporary buy-down account. And what some right. people don't realize is that um, a mortgage loan is worth a different amount depending on the interest rate. So mm-hmm. if we did a loan for them at 7.125, it's worth a certain dollar amount. 
if we say to Fannie Mae and the investors on Wall Street, hey, we're going to deliver the same exact loan, but instead it's going to have an interest rate of 7.5. It's more valuable, yeah. We'll get the extra money from the entity ultimately that bought the bundle of mortgages of which their <laughs> loan was a part. So we get this extra money and we don't put it in our pocket. We put it in this temporary buy-down uh, payment yeah. account and it goes to fund their uh, monthly payment for the first 12 months. And then again, just like in your case, if we happen to refinance them in eight months, they get what's left over. Right. That's so much better than saying them spending, uh, I have 6.99 they could get right now, but that would cost them mm -hmm. 3,250 bucks and they would never get the points get that which money amount back. to 1,800. Yeah. They'd never get the $1,800 back. Right. You know, so, yeah, that's, so that's why this is such a powerful tool. Yeah, and if, right, if so, higher rates are keeping you out, you know, on the sidelines, it's like we can get you an effective rate still in the sixes, mid mid to low sixes, even you know. Uh, so get out there and start looking. <laughs> well, and the other thing, you know, this is kind of a family uh, transaction, right? Because the dad's involved. Yeah. Who is, by the way, a real estate attorney? Oh, and nice. so you know, we're, I was showing the dad, trying to get him comfortable with paying over asking. Mm. And showing him the statistics on that and how the appraisal wiggle room works for his son and daughter-in-law where it's not really going to cost them anymore. And he and I both agreed that, you know, nobody is building more three to $400,000 homes in Washington County. No. Or Waukesha County, for that matter. And, and so there's going to continue to be a pinch on supply. Mm-hmm. It's going to drive up prices, yeah. yeah. And the demographically, the demand is is still there. So you know, he and I are at least of the same belief that you know you're you're okay paying fifteen grand over appraisal if you need to in order to get the house under contract. Otherwise, you may not own a house. <laughs> right. You know, then, yeah. It goes right. back to the ultimate question: How bad do you want it at the end of the day? Well, that's right. And and you know, yeah. is it worth the risk? You know, in the because sure. remember, we're trying to help them buy a home that they can be in for fifteen or twenty years, not exactly. five minutes or even five years. That's the other important thing. All right, when we come back, I want to give an update on the folks that got lucky, got their rock solid pre approval, and got a contract the very first weekend on the very first property they wrote on. Tell you a little bit more about that when we come back. You're listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on the biggest stick in the state, AM620 WTMJ. Find a place to call home without the headache. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickard on WTMJ. Welcome back, uh, Tim. Last week on the show, we were talking about a referral from a financial advisor where these folks had taken a break from home ownership and uh, were looking for a very specific type of property, something with a little acreage. So they found this property, five acres, in Washington uh, County. And it happened to have a couple of unique features, an above-ground pool and two pole sheds, two, mm. two outbuildings. So what does that do to a mortgage lender's mm, concernometer? <laughs> I mean, it, it ticks up a little bit because, uh, you know, an appraiser, when they go out to establish the value of the property, at least for lending purposes, they need to find comparable properties that have sold within the last 12 months. And ideally have similar features or characteristics to the subject property. So I'm sure what you're thinking or what you did think when you saw the house that they got their offer accepted on is like, shoot, how many five acre properties in Washington County with a pool and two pole barns, 
are there that sold within the last year? And people naturally assume that, uh, you know, pole sheds and the, and the pool are, that's all gravy. That's not always the way it works <laughs> in appraising and yeah. in then mortgage lenders evaluating appraisals. Well, luckily, uh, in addition, because remember, they got this offer accepted under the asking price in part because they didn't have a home to sell. That's always attractive. Mm -hmm. They had a huge mm -hmm. down payment and they were super flexible on when these relocating sellers uh, could close. And then they even gave them like two months of post-closing right. occupancy mm -hmm. for free. So they were yep. like the model of accommodation. That's why they got their offer accepted. And, and so we're cruising along and, and I got the appraisal back uh, this past week. And what most folks don't realize, most realtors don't realize this either, is that um, all appraisals, all the appraisal reports get an automated score from Fannie Mae's computer system. It's called Collateral Underwriter, and it's a CU score, and it's on a scale of one to five, where one is the least risky, and five is the most risky, and is gonna get a, some kind of a review. Mm -hmm. The in-person underwriter is gonna say, hey, we gotta take a deeper look at this if the yeah. score is you know near five. And the magic number that we want to see is 2.4 or less or because under, yeah. Fannie Mae promises that if the CU score, the risk score on the appraisal is 2.4 or less, they will never force a buyback on that loan because of the appraisal. So this property came back with a CU score of 1.7. Oh, And I awesome. breathed a big sigh of relief yep. and said, okay. We don't have to worry about anybody nitpicking on this appraisal because mm -hmm. um, it's got a bulletproof CU score. All right, so that's my update on that. We're just waiting around now for the closing uh, uh, to occur on that. Uh, nice Tim, and you boring. Were that's me good. Off the air about somebody who uh, we got another referral from a different financial advisor, mm -hmm. and uh, tell us a little bit about that customer. Yeah, so this is an interesting uh, situation because this uh, uh, woman is retired and sold her previous home a couple of years ago. She's been renting and she has her sights set on a condo within a very specific condominium complex. And the reason she wants to buy there is because she has a lot of friends already owning condos within that HOA or that, that neighborhood. So because of that, she has uh, sort of a, <laughs> a collective of people either on the lookout for, for sale signs in the yards or already talking to people who are, eh, I, may, I might sell this spring or this summer right. or next month she's or whatever. She's got a spy network. Yeah, she's got a whole network of people who are you know uh, looking for opportunity for her, which is huge. Because of that, she told me, and, and this is, I mean, to her credit, she's thinking you know next level. She's like, I don't want to use a buyer's agent because A, I kind of don't need one. And B, I want to make my offer appealing to the sellers where maybe I can just contact them directly and work out a for sale by owner. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that way the seller doesn't have to pay a 6% or whatever percent uh, fee to the agents involved. We can work it out amongst ourselves. I've even already procured the services of a real estate attorney who will help me, you know, just draft up a, a purchase contract for a flat fee and then they'll remove themselves from the transaction. I said, that's awesome. Now, 
uh, you had mentioned also off the air, what would be a reason, at least from a realtor's perspective, what would be the argument to, to not do that oh, and still have an agent? Yeah. The argument would be you're not giving yourself full exposure to the market. You know, right? Right. Because if, if you go out, if you let me uh, go out there and list your home, a lot of people are going to see it, and you might get an offer way above asking. Yeah. And you, or you have people competing. The math, yeah. the, the math would have to be you'd get an offer that exceeds what you were going to sell it for without the agent by the cost of the real estate commission. Well, that's all the time we've had for today's show, Tim. It went by like greased lightning. Thanks for <laughs> filling in again for your brother-in-law, my son, David. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.